Okay. Hello and welcome to the Sport Professor Podcast, the show for the sports student and fan who wants to learn more about the underpinnings of the sporting world. I'm your professor, Dr. Drew Sikansky, and today we will divert from our normal topics and conversations to talk about the tragic death of Kobe Bryant. We won't focus on his career accolades, but rather we will talk about how his death is impacting sport fans around the world and hopefully shine some light on why so many people who never met him are feeling such a sense of loss. So, if you're interested in learning about the wonder of sports and the relationships we as fans have with the athletes who play them, then this is the podcast for you. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this episode of The Sport Professor Podcast. Today on the pod, we're going to do something a little bit different. Now, normally, the podcast topics that we come up with deal a lot with what's being taught in the classroom. We try to identify things that are happening out in the sports world, look at the business side of it or the social side of it, and talk about how it applies to students who are interested in going into the field of sport management or to people out there just interested in the behind-the-scenes aspect of what sport management really is and what goes into running professional, collegiate, or interscholastic or youth sports. Today we're going to turn, though, and we're going to talk about something that is going on in the world right now, something that we don't generally do. We're going to talk about the death of Kobe Bryant. And it's a tough topic to talk about, but I don't want to do what everyone else is doing. I don't want to sit here and talk about his stats and how good of a player he was and try to rank him and talk about you know the personal value that I got from watching him or listening to him. I want to talk about something different. I want to go over and discuss why it is so many people are having such a strong emotional reaction to this. This isn't the first athlete that has been killed in, in a tragic way. Um, I went through and just put together a very short list. People who died before my lifetime or before my time, tragically. People like Steve Prefontaine, Roberto Clemente, Thurman Munson, Reggie Lewis, Hank Gathers, Lem Bias. All were people that died prematurely and in horrific ways like we've seen with Kobe Bryant. And even in my lifetime, there's a number of people who have been killed and lost their lives very tragically. Individuals like Pat Tillman, who served our country and was killed uh, defending us overseas. Andreas Escobar, who there's a great 30 for 30 documentary on, who was a Colombian soccer player who played in the United States in the 1994 World Cup, then goes back to his country and is killed. One of the first ones that I remember, Payne Stewart, a golfer, Flying in an airplane crashes and everyone on it dies. In baseball, Daryl Kyle, a, a pitcher, or Jose Fernandez, much more recently passed away. I remember watching Dale Earnhardt crash and, and watching that race with my dad and seeing him, as so many people did, die. But this, this death feels a little bit different and... 
how people in my life are responding to it and how students are responding to it points out something that's very unique and I think sometimes confusing to people and maybe even a lot of non-sports fans are feeling a sense of grief almost as if they lost someone in their own family or someone that they were close to and so today what I want to talk about is why does this feel different why does what happened to Kobe and those other people feel different in today's society why do we feel like we lost someone that we knew why are so many people grieving and thousands of people flocking to Staples why are not only NBA players and analysts who actually knew the man so sad but the rest of the country or at least a large part of it and so that's why I want to get in today and it really focuses and really hits on one major things that we always try to tell our students and something that I always try to tell people when they ask me what I do. When I tell people that I'm a professor of sport management, that I teach this field, most people have never heard of it. And most people say something to the extent of, well, what do you do with that degree? What is that? Oftentimes they think, oh, you must want to be a sport agent, which is only a very small population of our group. And it really makes me go back and say something that I first learned when I was starting to get my PhD when I first started teaching. And I was teaching very simple, basic classes like soccer or jogging at Ohio State. You know, those quote-unquote gym classes. And our boss in our orientation said a lot of people will laugh at you for teaching these classes or people in your family might not understand it. But these classes have just as much value as biology or chemistry or psychology or any other class at this university. Because while those classes teach you knowledge that will enable you to get a job and have a career and make money and have a family and do all those things you want, without a healthy lifestyle, all that other stuff is meaningless. If you're not healthy, if you don't develop healthy habits, then it doesn't matter if you're a millionaire doesn't matter if you have your dream job. doesn't matter if you have the perfect family. If you don't have health, if you don't have that physical activity, then the rest of life doesn't matter. And what we were doing in those classes, my boss said, is we were teaching people how to be healthy. We were helping them be physically active and hopefully putting in them a set of skills that they could then take and apply later in life. So I taught jogging for two years. And literally all we would do three times a week was I would make routes and a class of 30 students would jog around campus. And we would go at different speeds. And some people, their goal was just to be able to run a mile straight. Other people wanted to train for a marathon and this was their first step in it. But regardless, by the time you exited that class for 10 weeks straight, you ran three times a week. And hopefully that helped prepare the student to continue to develop that running and at least have a positive attitude towards it. And I say all this to try to give context to what sport management is. Yes, most people that are in the major root for teams and root for players, but it goes beyond that. Most people that are majoring in sport management have a love for sport. And that love goes beyond just cheering for a favorite team or cheering for a favorite player. It goes into that feeling that sport creates in us when we're watching it, 
when our team succeeds, when we're with a community of people, whether it be our family, our loved ones, our friends, or even strangers at a stadium or a bar watching that. Sport, just like those physical activity classes, gives us something in our life to bring us happiness. And so whether you're going through a really tough time, everything's going wrong, work's not going well, relationships aren't going well, things are happening that are tough and hard in our lives, sport offers an escape. Sport makes the rest of life better. It allows us to invest in something that is completely meaningless. The outcome of a game doesn't truly matter to us. If our team wins or loses, it doesn't necessarily affect our lives. But we invest in it because if our team wins, it makes us feel better. It gives us a sense of accomplishment. It lets us boast and and stick out our chest and makes us feel good. Sports does this. And what we're doing with sports management is we're teaching our students how to set up and provide these type of events and activities for people so that they can feel that same sense. We teach students about how to go and run an event. We teach students about how to set up a stadium, about how to run the events that come to that stadium. We teach them about how to market and get people there and promote the various aspects of what we're doing. We teach them about the legal aspects that they need to consider when doing all these things. Sport is that form of escape for people. And so what happens when we have a tragedy like this, when the one place that we're supposed to go to escape our own hard lives, to feel better, when that turns in, to a tragedy itself, oftentimes we feel even a deeper sense of loss. We feel even a deeper sense of pain because the one place that we are supposed to go and feel safe and feel happy, the one place we go to for joy and entertainment now is full of despair and we don't understand how to deal with that. We don't know how to move to another environment. Normally, I'm having a tough day or something bad's going on. I can turn on a sporting event. I can turn on an NBA basketball game. I can turn on the Super Bowl. I can turn on baseball. I can turn on anything and I can watch it and I can escape my life. I don't have to think about what's going good or bad relationship-wise. I don't have to think about the work that I have to do. I don't have to think about my family or my friends. I can just zone out and watch that event on the field. Watch that game. Watch that contest. And for 30 minutes or an hour or three hours... I don't have to worry about the rest. That's what makes sports so great. That's what we're teaching students about in sport management, how to set up that event to allow people to escape. But when something like Kobe Bryant's death happens or any of these other athletes' deaths happen, we get confused because we no longer can go to sports to escape. I can't go and watch the NBA yesterday to try to escape what's happening because his death is a part of that landscape that I'm escaping to. So it creates a sense of confusion in us. It creates a sense of deep sadness in us, in large part because of that. Now, to add on to that, because we invest so much of ourselves into sport as fans, these athletes and these teams don't feel that far removed from us. Most of us never met Kobe Bryant. I've never met him I know a very few people who have, and yet most of us are still feeling a sense of loss, like we lost a loved one. 
But if you think about it, it makes sense. If you follow the NBA, whether you like the Lakers and Kobe Bryant or you didn't, Kobe Bryant was a part of your life for 20 years. For some of you that are listening, that might be your entire lifespan. You've known Kobe. He has been a part of it. For me, it was a very substantial part of my lifespan. And because we spend so much time with him, not just watching him, but we talk about him. We talk about him to our parents. We talk about him to our friends. The media brings up conversations about him, which burn our own conversations. When we talk about things like, well, where is he rate on the all-time great list? Is he the greatest Laker of all time? Or is Magic the greatest Laker of all time? What about, is he better than Jordan or not? How about what happened with Shaq? We build these types of things into our conversations with people. We talk about him. We spread gossip and rumors. We joke. We make fun. We treat the individuals that are athletes like they're members of our family. We probably even talk about them more if we're diehard sports fans than we might talk about people in our family or other people in our lives. I spend so much time in my life talking about the athletes that I love. I talk about Tom Brady all the time with people. We bring up, we have conversations. I might bring up baseball and talk about David Ortiz or Dustin Pedroia a lot because of my passion for those teams. And the more that we talk about them, the more it feels like we're not talking about a famous person or a famous athlete, but that we're talking about someone that we know. And so when a death happens like this, when we have to sit back and say, wait a minute, this person I've spent 20 years of my life, not only watching and feeling like I know through watching him, but also this person that I spent 20 years talking about, having conversations or debating people about, All of a sudden, you're not just losing watching them. You're losing those conversations. And Kobe Bryant feels so real to us and so immediate because it's not like he has been out of public spotlight. He just retired. He's going to be elected into the Hall of Fame this year. But it's not just that he just retired and is still in our minds. He's very active. He goes on a ton of podcasts and talks to a number of different people. He has business interests. Last year, he won an Oscar. He's been ever-present. If you follow anything on social media, you see him at games, taking pictures with players, talking to players, joking around there with his daughter. And now we have to sit here and deal with the fact that not only can we not talk about him, not only can't we see him play again, but now we're not going to see him at all. Now we're not going to hear from him at all and as a fan who's invested all those years into him talking seeing watching observing to not have him in that spotlight does create a sense of loss and what's so different about this one versus those other people that i named at the top of the podcast is that the age that we live in now gives us more access not only to sports stars, but to everyone. Kobe came up in the internet era. Kobe was drafted in 1996. People were getting the internet, the old dial-up at that point. I remember, I am a person of that generation. I remember Kobe coming into the league. I remember getting the internet and using websites and systems like Morpheus to download his dunk highlight package. It might take a whole day or two days to download with the dial-up. But I remember downloading it and watching it. And as the internet progressed, so too did his career. And we have things like YouTube, where 
the ease of access of highlights means we can pull them up and watch them all the time. We have the increase in media networks on TV, not just ESPN, but we also have Fox Sports. We have multiple ESPN channels. We have all of these outlets now that can constantly show content and not just current content, but we can go back in the NBA TV and watch past games and highlights. And on top of the YouTube, we then have social media where we can follow and see directly what the player is thinking. We don't have to go through the filter of the media. We don't have to wait to the next day to read something in the paper. We can go on and follow him and look at his comments on Twitter and see him talking about things, see him congratulating players for their accomplishments. And again, the more that we see, the more it just feels like he's a part of our family. There's a couple of great quotes that I always use to try to help my students understand that sports is beyond just a competition that's happening on the field. The first one is by an individual named Bartlett Giamatti, who was the president of Yale back in 1989. And he said, quote, The very elaborations of sport, its internal conventions of all kinds, its ceremonies, its endless meshes entangling itself, are for the purpose of training and testing and rewarding the rousing motion within us to find a moment of freedom. That quote speaks so well to what sport is. Yes, it's a competition. Yes, it has these conventions, these rules, these ceremonies that we all kind of throw together. And yes, we use sport to develop ourselves physically. And yes, we use sport as a testing ground to see who is better at a given skill. But it's more than just that. Sport provides us, as he says, that moment of freedom. That moment that I was talking about when we watch, we're free from everything else. We can forget everything else that's happening in our lives. And we can just have that moment of freedom where nothing else matters but what's on the court. And the greatest part about it is that the outcome truly doesn't matter. Win or lose, we can go back to what our life is. This goes to another level in a quote by an individual named Novak in 1976. And he used to call sport the natural religion. And he said, quote, Sports are not merely fun and games, not merely diversions, not merely entertainment. A ballpark is not a temple, but it's not a fun house either. A baseball game is not an entertainment, and a ball player is considerably more than a paid performer. No one can explain the passion, commitment, discipline, and dedication involved in sport by evasions like these. What Novak is laying out is the exact same point that I was making about teaching those classes. Yes, you can look at those classes, you can look at sport as just merely fun and games. But he says it's more than that. It goes beyond just that competition. Yes, it does give us a diversion, as we've talked about, he says. And it does give us entertainment. But it goes beyond that. Because what he's saying is that sport almost rises to the level of religion to us. We have individuals and teams that we follow in worship. We care about what happens in the outcome of those games. We live and die internally with what occurs on the court or the playing field. And as a result, when there's a tragedy within that religion, when there's a tragedy that we feel, it affects us. Even if 
We might not know the person like Kobe directly or ever talk to him or spent time with us. He seems like a cult-like figure, a person that we've followed, a person that we've worshipped, a person that we've strived to be like, whether on a basketball court or just his tenacity that he had as he tackled things in his life. We admire that. We put these individuals up on a pedestal. We use them as motivations for us, just as many people use religion in their own lives. And so when something like this happens, when we lose someone from our lives who we've put on that pedestal, who we've looked up to, who we've followed for 20 years, the sense of loss is just as real as if we lost someone that was close to us, whether that's a family member or a loved one or a close friend. Sport is so much more than just athletes partaking in competition to see who's better at a certain skill. And I think what this tragedy has reminded me is just how much more it is. It's something that I've not only devoted my life to, but it's something that has had great meaning and power and impact. And it's something that I tried to to pass on to my students, to teach them about that power, to teach them about that impact so they can understand that what we as sport management professors are trying to train them to do is provide the setting for these sporting events to take place. So not only the athletes, but the fans can watch and get that momentary release from whatever pain or suffering they might be going through to get that sense of joy and happiness in their life. Because as I said at the beginning of the podcast, you might have a million dollars or the perfect job or the perfect life. But if you have no joy or happiness in your life, then all of that doesn't matter. In sports, for so many people, is that joy and happiness. And as people working in sport management, in training the next sport managers... It's our job to create an atmosphere where you can come in and experience that joy and happiness. So you can leave after watching a game in a stadium or on TV feeling happy, feeling better, having escaped whatever problems you felt in your life for that time span. So when one of the key figures in our lives who has been making us happy and spurring on conversation, an individual who we talk about like their family, an individual who we admire and look up to, who we strive to be like. To have that individual be taken away creates a very real sense of loss in all of us, regardless of if we knew him. And that's the power of sport. And I know that for those of you who feel that sense of loss, maybe this podcast hasn't made you feel better, but hopefully it's helped you understand why you feel the way that you do. Hopefully, it's helped you understand the power of what sport is in this world. And that without sport, without that outlet, without these athletes, we would be taking away a major source of joy in so many people's lives. As time passes, that sense of loss and sadness that people feel, hopefully, will dissipate. And instead... And its place will be 
memories of times we watched Kobe play. We can talk, hopefully, to our kids and tell them about Kobe and teach them about the greatness that he had. But I hope, if nothing else, from listening to this podcast, you get a sense to understand why I've devoted my life to sports, why so many other professors in my field have devoted their lives to sports, and why so many students and people around the world are interested in learning and getting involved in this industry. If you have any questions or comments about this topic, about anything that we've hit on today, please feel free to follow us on Instagram at the sport professor. Reach out, ask questions. We are more than happy to engage. Until next time, though, we hope you've enjoyed this episode of the Sport Professor Podcast.